Hey everyone, welcome to this week's release of the 10-Minute Market Update on the Real Market Talks podcast. Thanks for tuning into this episode. Here's this week's news in real estate. In the current challenging real estate market, SL Green's recent sale of a 49.9% stake in the Manhattan office tower at a valuation of around $2 billion exemplifies the complex tactics being used to maintain high property values. The deal, one of the largest U.S. office deals of the year, included a large but undisclosed discount on over $500 million worth of the building's debt to the buyer, Maury Trust. This move, legal yet opaque, is indicative of the financial engineering strategies increasingly employed by office landlords to uphold valuations amidst the sector's deep crisis. Such practices, while making business sense, have raised concerns among analysts regarding the inflated nature of publicly available property valuations. Landlords are resorting to various concessions to prop up high-end office rents, according to a CBRE report. Free rent periods and cash payments for tenant construction work have surged, misleadingly inflating the nominal office rents. These concessions are strategically used to maintain high annual rents and consequently building profits, which are crucial in determining a building's value. The practice is becoming increasingly common as evidenced by Boston Properties, which significantly increased its offering of free rent days compared to previous years. Analysts recognize the success of such deals, like SL Green's sale of 245 Park Avenue, even with discounts, as they bring substantial cash in a difficult market. The complexity of these deals, however, leads to challenges in assessing the true state of the office market. Firms like Green Street, which analyze real estate values, factor in these side deals and market changes, estimating a substantial decline in high-end office building values since the pandemic. SL Green, known for its creative deal-making, has been active in offering incentives to tenants and engaging in practices like seller financing, where the seller lends part of the purchase price to the buyer. This approach helps maintain higher sale prices in a market constrained by high interest rates and cautious banks. Such financial engineering, though not new, has become more prevalent in recent years, highlighting a disconnection between actual market demand and inflated property values. WeWork, once valued at $47 billion, is grappling with financial challenges in its bankruptcy process. Despite Chapter 11 provisions, allowing the rejection or amendment of unfavorable leases, the company still faces the burden of hundreds of leases. So far, WeWork has managed to cut $3.7 billion of its long-term lease expenses, which is about 16% of its total, mainly through lease rejections and amendments. However, This process is complicated by landlords' reluctance to lose WeWork as a tenant in a market with high availability rates. Landlords are also constrained by their mortgage lenders, who may require additional equity in properties if they agree to reduce rent for WeWork. This situation puts landlords in a difficult position, balancing the need to accommodate WeWork's restructuring with the demands of their lenders. The restructuring efforts include renegotiating terms with landlords globally. 
WeWork's strategy involves not just rejecting leases, but also amending them for long-term savings through various means, like rent reductions and downsizing lease space. So far, 38 leases have been amended, contributing to approximately $1.5 billion in savings. Peter Greenspan, WeWork's global head of real estate, emphasizes the company's commitment to maintaining as many locations as possible, citing their value in terms of location and membership. Some renegotiations have led to new models like management agreements, where revenue is shared between WeWork and landlords. However, not all negotiations are successful, as some landlords find WeWork's requests for concessions, like rent reductions or reduction in lease space, challenging to accommodate. The impact of WeWork's lease restructuring is profound, especially for landlords who have leased entire buildings to the company. If these leases are rejected, the landlords face the risk of buildings generating no income while still owing mortgage payments, leading to potential default situations. Landlords are generally hesitant to have leases rejected, as they then become unsecured creditors in bankruptcy, often recovering only a fraction of what they are owed. The situation is further complicated by the lender's requirements for landlords to inject more equity into properties to compensate for the reduced property value, resulting from major rent reductions. Douglas Rosner, a bankruptcy lawyer, highlighted landlords' need for basic information like business plans to assess the viability of concessions. WeWork's restructuring plan, which is expected to be confirmed in March, will be crucial in determining the company's post-bankruptcy future and its impact on landlords and the broader real estate market. The future of commercial real estate is rapidly evolving to focus on user experience rather than just location. This shift, essential in today's challenging economic environment, is characterized by buildings that offer personalized experiences similar to those found in technology products. Dr. Marco Magnano of Deloitte's Canada Digital Real Estate Practice highlights the importance of creating spaces that not only perform well, but also appeal to individual preferences of workers. This approach is crucial for attracting and retaining talent and ensuring tenant loyalty, especially when long-term lease commitments are uncertain. Beyond office spaces, this trend is also important in attracting tenants for multifamily apartments. Deloitte Canada's report future of real estate, shift to digital, suggests that commercial real estate owners must blend the physical and digital to stay competitive. The report, based on a survey of major Canadian commercial real estate owners and tenants, reveals a strong demand for digital and personalized amenities, like digital concierges and real-time visitor monitoring. Adopting a real estate-as-a-service model, where landlords offer various pay-per-use services, such as energy management and predictive maintenance, could be beneficial. This approach not only meets tenant expectations, but also opens up new revenue streams for landlords. The report also stresses the need for a stronger digital foundation in real estate, utilizing technologies like data analytics and AI for operational efficiency and security. The current digital and data divide limits strategic management of space, with landlords controlling less than one-third of data generated in their buildings. Deloitte Canada recommends building a common data environment to enhance building use and inform decisions on spatial configurations and energy efficiency. Moreover, sustainability is becoming a crucial conversation topic, with tenants increasingly seeking environmentally sustainable buildings and services.
This trend presents landlords with opportunities to collaborate with tenants on sustainability initiatives, which is not only environmentally beneficial, but also essential for maintaining asset value and market competitiveness. The current state of the U.S. housing market, as indicated by recent data, show signs of balancing rather than crashing. According to Realtor.com's December 2023 inventory reading, there were 714,176 active listings, a 5% increase from December 2022, but still 31% below the pre-pandemic levels of December 2019. This relatively low inventory level, despite rising mortgage rates and affordability challenges, is a key factor preventing a dramatic correction in home prices. The inventory in December 2023 dropped less than usual for the year-end, suggesting a more pronounced seasonal cooling influenced by affordability constraints. However, the numbers are still well above the heights of the pandemic housing boom in December 2021, showing a gradual shift towards a more balanced market. The dynamics of the new listings also offer insights into the housing market's trajectory. Although December 2023 witnessed 31,928 fewer new listings compared to December 2019, this deficit is still less severe than in the previous year. December 2022 had 46,720 fewer new listings than in December 2019. This gradual increase in new listings indicates a slight easing of the lock-in effect where potential sellers were previously hesitant to list their properties due to affordability concerns and higher mortgage rates. The current trends suggest that while the U.S. housing market is experiencing a cooldown, it is not approaching a crash like in 2008. The availability of homes for sale remains much lower than during the 2008 crash, with current inventory levels far below the 4 million homes listed at that time. The data points to sellers gradually adjusting to the reality of higher mortgage rates and considering moving forward with sales in 2024, accepting that the exceptionally low rates of 3% to 4% may not return soon. This adjustment could lead to a more dynamic market in the upcoming year. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's episode of the Real Market Talks podcast, and I'll catch you next week when we return.